Hello, my name is Ben McCarthy and welcome to this week's episode of Anything But Square. On today's episode, we are joined by Lee Piers and Amy Chapman from Dumb Wales. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you guys feeling today? I'm good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. It's a very, very lovely day outside. Uh, d- during the summer, have you been able to make up for any lost like, social time outing for the past couple of months? I think um, I really regret when we had that short break in June of of not really taking advantage um, between the lockdowns of seeing friends and going out. So yeah, I've been trying really hard <laughs> to take advantage of it while we have it again and being outdoors and seeing friends and family and um, trying to get back to normal. So do you guys have a particular memory of when you both wanted to become musicians? Well, I've, I've been a musician in a sense since I was a kid. Like I played guitar from the age of about 12. I always considered myself a musician, even though I probably wasn't very good. But like uh, all my life, really, I think, like I was never really into sport. I was never really, I was never really into like, mov- like movies or anything like that. I've always been into music. I've always enjoyed being on the stage and performing music that like we'd sort of written as a band for an audience and getting feedback after afterwards and sort of hearing how it, how other people perceive what what you're trying to get across kind of thing but yeah i think i think i've always wanted to be a musician since i was born i think yeah i think for me i've always loved music and i don't have any defined memory of when i first started liking music but i think about Wanting to play music probably came about when I was maybe 13. I think I'd just started high school and I went to a roller skating rink in Eltham to see Jebediah and Something for Kate play there and they were both like brand new. This was 99 or something. Or well, maybe not brand new, but it was kind of at, at um, the beginning of their, you know, stardom. And they played an all-ages gig at a roller skating rink and... I think that was my first proper show that I went to and just feeling that kick drum in your chest and just the adrenaline of the whole experience, that's when I thought that's what I want to do. I just want to play music all the time. I want to be like that. And so with that, what was your first um, instrument then? Or did you gravitate towards like songwriting and singing first and then it just kind of grew from there? Or My first instrument was piano. My dad put me in piano lessons um, and I really loved it. And then again, I was at school and um, I enrolled in guitar lessons and the teacher said, look, the school doesn't have a bass player. Would you mind moving to bass? Um, which was a blessing because I I just love playing bass so much. But I guess because I had formal lessons and because I was listening to and discovering so much music at the time, my learning was very much centered around learning the songs that I liked and the songs that I listened to. So I kind of started playing that way more than writing my own songs. I think that's something that I developed much later. But I well, because Phil uh, is the the other. English guy in the band. He's two years older than me uh, and he played guitar for about a year. Uh, and then I remember looking at him, seeing him getting all this attention off everyone and thought, I, I could do that. And then uh, he, he sort of taught me the basics and uh, yeah, I'd pretty much just copy him. Started on guitar and then 
played around with piano a little bit in school and messed around on the drums when we were rehearsing. But I, was, I don't think I'm, I'm probably not very good at the drums. But um, And yeah, singing as well, if that, if that counts as an instrument, I suppose. Of course it does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Isn't that like, isn't that one of the like, most important instruments? Maybe? Well, I don't want to give myself too much of an ego, but yeah. It's the hardest to master, I think. Yeah. Mm. You see all those people on those like talent shows or things like that, who they, they always see themselves as singers or that kind of stuff. And you look at go, it's like, no. <laughs> but, then, but then again, it still comes back to, I think just the discipline of being a singer. And it's just, what I find in, the most incredible is just maintaining your voice for so long and all the various exercises, but it's also, you know, staying away from caffeine or all those kind of things, which for me, there's no way I'll be able to do that myself. That's just like impossible. Mm. You know, it's just crazy, absolutely crazy. So how did like Dumb Whales like begin? How like did you all meet each other and then decide, you know what, we're gonna start a band? So Phil met me when I was born <laughs> and then um, we met Shannon, the drummer, um, he was in the year below me at school and Phil was friends with his sister. Uh, so so we, we sort of played in bands together for a few years and Phil met, oh, Amy met Phil, or Phil met Amy. It was a mutual meeting. It was a mutual meeting <laughs> um, in uni. Yeah, at university years uh, ago. Yeah. The current lineup, we, we've been a band for about two years now, I think. Yeah, I joined a little bit later. Um, I joined in 2029, two years ago, I guess, 2019. Yeah. And I think the boys formed a band maybe a year before that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. As a three-piece. Yeah, we were um, a three-piece. And I, I was on bass and then um, we thought the songs would sort of f sound a bit more fleshed out with two guitars. And also because cause Phil sings and I sing as well and the the bass lines are quite tricky to play and and sing as well, so it's um, it, it it just works out better with two guitar, two guitar playing frontmen, and then Phil knew that Amy was a great bassist from well a few years ago, so it 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 just made sense. Just actually quickly on that, what I've what I've always found interesting about, I think, is is that is actually the configuration of bands is to understand I think what you need and what you don't need, and I wanted to ask like, does that come instinctively or do you think that comes like with experience or just constant experimentation? It's a really interesting question. I think not to speak on behalf of you and the boys but i think um perhaps if you're in a songwriting space or even a production you know if you have that producer part of your mind kind of turned on then you can write the framework for a song but then you can imagine all the ways in which you can make it bigger or strip it back you know whatever whatever you is in your vision for for how the song will eventuate yeah as lee said i think just for this band that it just really works out as that four piece and they tried as a three piece and um, it now means that we have the opportunity to experiment with different guitar lines and there's a really strong 
rhythm bass going on and then, um, you know, I think Lee and Phil play really well together, feeding off each other in that way and having the two voices that are kind of similar in a lot of ways but distinctive too. So I think it's different for every group. It's about how you want to represent your songs ultimately and that can come through trial and error or maybe you just know from the very beginning, you know, I want a five-piece horn section or mm. I just want a drummer and myself or, yeah. you know, it's well, what makes music so varied. Sometimes from a songwriter perspective, it, like I'll come up with a, like a bass part first and then I can imagine what the guitar is going to sound like or or sometimes you might, you might think of like a, a drum beat like, like loosely and then the bass line will just come naturally to, to sort of go around that and then you'll build on the guitar parts and and then sometimes you'll come with a, like a, a lyric, you'll think of a lyric in the shower or or like a melody or something and then well, I think there is a li little bit of experimentation involved but I think we always sort of know roughly what we want it to sound like and then we sort of tweak it and cha change things around and try try this instead of that and so th there's a little bit of experimentation involved but I think it usually comes pretty quickly the finalized idea what we're going to work with going into obviously your track William that that you guys submitted for the Fed Live competition last year can you talk about the idea and the inspiration behind that track I'd, I'd say it was mainly Phil's idea uh speaking on behalf of Phil <clears throat> Yeah, it was, it was, well, you don't really get many songs about murdering someone. <laughs> so not to say, it's not like based on a true story or it's just, it's art. So you can, you can take it out of context to an extent. And I think, I could be wrong. He's probably going to kill me for this, but I think William, it's just, it just sounded, sounded nice. It's like William, it's just like a three-syllable name, like it wouldn't sound the same as Jeff. Or... <laughs> what about Neil? Neil. Maybe Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Maybe that could be on the, uh, maybe that could be the, the next on one. On the B-side. Yeah. But, but maybe he could. The maybe, remix. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he kills us. There's a twist. Or he maybe he's William's mate or something like that. It could, I don't know. I mean, already from that point, I don't know. I don't know if any you guys like, watch watch a lot of the simpsons or things like that but you know that simpsons episode around like frank grimes and about how homer drives yeah. him insane and then then i think whether or not the writers planned it or you know they were they they were hitting writer's block on like season 15 that they then did an episode where they had frank grimes's son like try to like kill homer or that kind of stuff so yeah. there's also that yeah we could have a part two Call it Billy or something, yeah. <laughs> or Jeffrey, oh, and it can be um, yeah, William's son exacting oh, revenge on Phil. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the, it could be a twist where William is then actually dead, and that, that's the actual twist. And it, it's kind of like a thriller video where he comes from the ground and then come yeah comes after Phil. We had nothing to do with it. I was on, <laughs> I liked William. <laughs> we didn't want him to die. It's actually I think it's my favorite song that we have. Musically, I think it's a really wonderful piece of songwriting um, and production. But we did make a music video for it too that is like a real narrative on that murder theme. 
And the whole story is that we have a fifth band member, William, and he gets booted out of the band because we don't like him or something. Well, Phil doesn't like him. Oh, I Phil, him. Phil doesn't like him. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I guess you can guess what happens in the end. Um, but we had a lot of fun filming that as well and we got an actor in for it to play William and, yeah, yeah there aren't many songs about murdering someone, I guess, so that's, you know... Not that get not that get as good a reception that Williams got, which is more worrying <laughs> about you guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean lockdown and things like that really does change. Right? <laughs> it does really change, I think, perspectives on certain things. Um, when I, I think when I, if I if I remember correctly, um, was it William the band member? He's the drum uh, drummer guitarist. guitarist. Yeah. There was a part of me, I think, when I watched it, I was like, is this also just another sly reference to Spinal Tap? But I realized <laughs> that's mainly for drummers, where they go through all their drummers, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think you can um, wind most things back to a Spinal Tap reference, regardless <laughs> of what instrument they play. How many times have you guys seen Spinal Tap, just out of curiosity? Well, I've seen it a few. I think I have some sort of attention deficiency, something... I find it hard sitting still for more than an hour. So I've, I've seen the first hour a few times and then I've probably seen the second hour a few times. Yeah. Amy? <laughs> How's this going for you? Oh, it's going very well. <laughs> going very, very well. Got that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it a lot. Actually, when... Phil and I, I'm not sure if he remembers this, but when Phil and I were at uni, our lecturer turned up one day and he must have been really hungover. And um, he pulled down the projection screen and just pulled up Spinal Tap and was like, here's your class for the day. <laughs> so I kind of associated with that sometimes. That was a pretty um, low point in my my studies. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, um, I've seen Spinal Tap quite a few times. And, I know, and and again, it, it, it's probably quite, I know whether or not if it's bad or good, whether or not bands consider it a compliment or they see it as a as an insult. But there's also part of me, it's like, whenever I think of a band or whenever I see a band, I I always jump to the conclusion that you must have seen Spinal Tap at least once or maybe twice, three times, and then probably taken little bits and then just kind of, you know, use them in one way or another, which I do apologize for any bands who take offense to that. And for, and also for any other bands who don't, good on you. Anyway, back to obviously the track, William. Were there any like specific musical influences on that track that you very much wanted to get across or th or that again, you really wanted to kind of experiment with? I think it kind of reminds me of um, New Order in a lot of ways um, because there's that real prominent um, bass line. Also with bands like The Cure, that's it's kind of darker sounding and it has a real driving bass. And that's sort of the Smiths a bit. Yeah, that kind of shimmering guitar over the top, which I think are all bands that we commonly listen to. I think we have pretty varied influences in the band, but those would be ones that are common. It's a common thread between us all. And for a while we were actually doing a medley of that song and um, Blue Monday. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it actually fit in really well. So that to me is is kind of the influence. Again, I can't speak for Phil who wrote the song about 
if he was thinking of any particular style or genre, but for me, that's definitely what I think of. I, I think, yeah, I think he, he came up with the, uh, it, it was either the, I think it was the, the bass line and then the drum pattern around the bass line. I think, could be wrong. He'll, he'll let you know if I am. But uh, yeah, I think I think it started, because it's a very, like, uh, that's me playing the drums, by the way, Shannon will love that one. Um, that's, it's it's very like, because uh, that, that drum pattern carries on throughout, throughout the whole song. And it's not just a straight, like, sort of rock beat. It's a bit all over the place, but it fits. He said, yeah, definitely a driving, uh, so it's yeah, a very rhythm section driven song. And so for the production of and so for the so for the production of William, not only the music chat but also the music video was that created during the pandemic? Was it created like just before? Like and if they were created during the pandemic, what was that production process like? Did you have to like change like the way you work, whether or not if you were all like living together, were you living like away and, and how did that and how did that influence your production style? It was before. Before? Ah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think we had it. I think we f filmed it. When was it? 2019. End of 2019. Yeah, around then. But um, it was... The guy that shot it, uh, Lee Galea, he he directed it as well. So pretty much, he pretty much came up with the most of the idea for for the video. He listened to the song at the gig, and he came up to us at the end, and he just said, "I really like that song. I want to do a video for it." And then he obviously had ideas in his head what he wants the video to look like. So that, that was an interesting because I think our other videos we've sort of. Uh, come up with the ideas ourselves. So it was interesting having uh, someone else's input on it. It was all finished by, luckily by the end of 2019. Uh, yeah, and then, and then we, I think, when, when when was that released? Was that start of 2020? Yeah, I think right before. Lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then I think during lockdown, we did uh, work remotely together uh, with ideas like bouncing songs back and forward and, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it, we definitely missed being in a room together, um, rehearsing together, and because it obviously is, it is what it is. But it's not you, you can't beat face to face communication, even if even if it's like un, unspoken communication, like eye contact or dirty looks or whatever. It doesn't translate over webcam, <laughs> and the delay definitely makes. Yeah, changes everything as well. If someone's got a bad in internet connection and then you all end up talking over each other, which we do anyway, but it's it's different when it's webcam. Obviously as well, like you guys uh, submitted William for our Fed Live music competition towards the end of last year. Why did you guys select that track for the competition? I think uh, we. it was probably like when we played, whenever we played gigs, Pretty much every gig, I'd say we we had at least a couple of people come up to us at the end. Sort of a lot of the time it was strangers saying what oh, like what was that last song you played or or whatever whenever it was and 
it, it, it seemed to strike a chord with people. And I don't know if it's the theme of the song or if it's just the, the feel of the song. But And we, we also enjoy playing it and that probably comes across as well. Uh, but yeah, I think we, we just seem to get a lot of good feedback from it. So. Yeah, I think it's one of our strongest songs. I'd say, and, and also as well, I think like considering that um, Dumb Whales was actually part of our top 10 was actually really, really great. Like credit to you guys as a band and things like that. Cause I'd say like that song was really, really tremendous and incredibly catchy. And I very much enjoyed not only listening to it, but also watching the music video. Cause it, it's a very darkly humorous music video in its own way. And that's, you know, really, really enjoyable. And so now obviously, you know, what's actually really great now is that a part, is that part of Federace's Dumb Whales is actually going to be performing on, on the main stage. What are you most looking forward to um, about that experience? We're really grateful to be given the opportunity to play at Fed Square because it's such an iconic landmark of Melbourne. It's a big deal to us, especially after, you know, such a challenging year for everybody, but especially for the arts and cultural sector. And, you know, the live music scene in Melbourne is world-class what we have here is so special and it needs to be protected and supported and uplifted so being given the opportunity to play a show such as this for an indie band like us because you know we also have a really strong independent scene here um, it just means the world to us so we haven't played since I think when we play at Fed Square that will be almost a year since we last played a gig yep. So that too will be, you know, us coming back with a bang. I think I think Melbourne's ready for it as well. I think people of Melbourne love live music, and I think they'll welcome it, welcome it back with open arms. And Fed Square is a great opportunity for people to get down and experience uh, well, what it what it was like before shit hit the fan. Can I say that? After your performance, what does Dunwells have coming up um, after that? Um, we're releasing a new single in around February called Pollen. Um, that's a song we recorded just as we were coming out of lockdown. Um, Phil has a home studio and when you were allowed, I think one or two visitors in a home, we each individually went over to Phil's to record this track. And I think Phil wrote it um, during lockdown as well. So it's pretty special. Yep. Um, and a, a real product of that time for our band. So that's that's almost ready to go. We'll be releasing that um, pretty soon, uh, soon after Fed Square, but we will play it too at the show, um, which we're really looking forward to. And then, yeah, and then we're playing The Totes in Collingwood mm -hmm. on February the 19th. 19th. Excellent. And where can people find Dunwells on social media or any other music subscription service? Uh, we're on Spotify. Um, not that we get any money out of that, but we're on Spotify. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. Um, Instagram. Instagram. Pretty much MySpace, pretty much all that. <laughs> not really MySpace. How good's MySpace? No. <laughs> yeah. Tom. Hey, you know what was good about MySpace though is um, top eight. Top eight. Well, that was controversial, but um, th how you could pick a song for your profile. No, that was good. 
Yeah, Facebook doesn't do that. Do you do you remember what song you chose then? It changes, changes changed all the yeah. time. Depended on my mood. Yeah, something moody, <laughs> teenagery. Not not emo, not that angsty, but actually don't remember. Yeah, it's probably cha- I probably changed it every every couple of days. I was one of those annoying people. I used to change my M- MSN name every couple of days as well. <laughs> that was always a lyric with every second letter a capital and some like emojis in there as well. I wonder what Tom from MySpace is doing now. On the dole. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I have to say, it's actually been really, really great talking to um, to uh, the both of you this evening, and really wish you, uh, really wish you and the band Dunwells all, all the best on Saturday. And thank you very much for, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank, thank you ben. so much.